getting a little more official. I have intro music and everything now. That's crazy, yeah. Well, uh, welcome to this next episode of All Roads Lead to Here. Um, first and foremost, thanks for listening. Um, I wasn't expecting so many people to listen to the last episode because I know it's very long, but, uh, well, I hope if you listen to it, you had fun with it, you learned some stuff, um, and I hope that I can still bring in more interesting people. Um, this week, I'm going to be talking with my friend Will Steinbrecher, who's a professional merch manager, and that involves working with smaller bands such as uh, Better Off, uh, Copeland, which isn't that small of a band, but you know, smaller relative to the other things that he's done. Uh, he works in big production, tours, um, and he's done a lot, big stadium stuff, pretty cool. Uh, it's always cool to talk to someone who's involved in that because... Um, well, if you've ever done merch or had to deal with that world, uh, you know it can get pretty hectic, and some of the stories that come along with that are pretty funny, so uh, it's a pretty short one this time, um, but we dive into some really cool things, learn some new perspective of that whole world, um, especially when it comes to big production touring, so uh, thanks. Um, if you like this podcast, I'm only going to ask it once, and that's to review it so more people listen to it. Um, hit 500 subscribers, so that's pretty cool. I hope we can still keep doing this. Um, I have some cool guests lined up, uh, and I'm hoping to keep doing this on a weekly basis. So thanks. I'll keep it short. Uh, One love. I'm with Will Steinbrecher, um, and I will let you uh, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Yeah. My name is Will Steinbrecher. Uh, First off, thanks for having me on. I'm excited for the new venture. Episode one was great. Thank you. Uh, But I, yeah, a little bit about me. I lived in Tampa and Lakeland for about six or seven years, uh, but played in a band down there called With Increase uh, for a little bit. That was actually the reason why I moved down to Florida uh, and then ended up going to school and from that whole experience ended up touring full-time and have since then have been a full-time tour merchandise manager on a large-scale theater or arena level for the past number of years. And I'm from a Nashville, I'm from Nashville originally. And so when I graduated from college, moved back up to here and have been here since 2016. Wow. It's already been since 2016. Yeah. Um, well, I guess halfway through, because it was August 2016, I moved back. That's crazy. But yeah, man, time, there is uh, no such thing as time these days. I know. Especially this year. <laughs> Especially because every crazy. time I go to Nashville, I only see you for like maybe one day. It never yeah, works. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it, it's almost better to just visit all the homies at once in Florida. Because anytime <laughs> a bud rolls through i i feel terrible because i'm typically never home right uh which right now obviously this is the exception since i've been home since march yeah i mean that's a long time for you well so now that you're you know touring full-time well i mean we're touring full-time as like a merch person but um i mean what was what was your first touring experience I, i think if I remember correctly, wasn't, didn't with increase go on their first tour after that Von Wolf record release show? Yeah, that, yeah, that was my first with increase show. 
Um, and first time meeting a whole lot of people that ended up have becoming lifelong homies like yourself. Uh, but the summer before that was 2010 and, uh, I graduated high school and in Nashville, there were kind of two younger bands. One of them was called Veritas, uh, which were like homies from high school. And then there was another band called Dependency and they were on blood and ink records. Um, now the, those two bands over the years morphed into each other and became friends, which then became better off. But from that was these two bands, uh, just like the ones who had enough steam to attempt, you know, a a two week tour type Mm -hmm. thing. So when I graduated from high school, uh, it was both of those bands plus myself. So 11 of us in a 12 passenger van, no air conditioning, uh, I can't remember if it was a two or a three week run. Um, I mean, anytime you go for like a weekend feels like you're gone for a month. Cause it's just all, you know, blur. you're so green. Every, yeah. It's all a blur. Um, so you're responsible. No one knows how to, you know, fix a flat tire. So you're just winging it. Right. Of but course. we ended up doing, of course. And so we ended up doing like a little East coast loop, just melting in the sun that summer, but none of us cared cause we were just so excited. Um, ended up doing some cool shows, but, uh, a couple of the shows were down in Florida and we had met with increase through MySpace, uh, Classic. back when they had just put out a, Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's how shows were booked back then. Uh, which just seems crazy that that was 10 years ago now. Dude, it but, seems like a lifelong time ago. It's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ha- Do you still have a MySpace by the way? Uh, I, okay. So remember when everyone said that MySpace was coming back for that minute, like they re redid it. I for sure thought that it was going to come back and I found out how to access my old one. And then I, I, uh, I got on there and I wanted to take all the photos off, but it took for some reason on my old computer, it like crashed my computer whenever I would go look at the photos. (laughs) So I kind of forgot about it. And then I tried to go back and it's just all gone. So, but there were some crazy, crazy photos on there. Like just nothing like for sure, nothing crude or anything, but just like photos of me with fake snake bites (laughs) Which oh, that, yeah. that photo exists somewhere. I think I posted it in the group chat once or twice. And then like just ridiculous, crazy, you know, high school photos that I wish I could get a hold of. I mean, my photo bucket still exists. Yeah. And I, yeah. that's another thing. Uh, I was going to say, you probably have a photo bucket or a flicker that is just sitting on some gold. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. But yeah, Man. I mean, yeah. I was, my, oh, my space was just bad. Uh, I brought that up because I, a couple of years ago, I realized that my old MySpace still existed. Yeah. And you have to like email and almost be vetted to prove <laughs> that you are who you are to request to get it taken down. That's like, incredible. Same with your snake bite photos. I had, oh man, this is like eighth grade, but I had straightened scene hair. Yeah, of course. Doing like a raw face. Yeah. I think with a $20 bill in my mouth. Dude, that's you gotta. Why didn't you? Did you save those photos? Uh, you know they're probably on my mom's uh, gateway desktop computer. 
Yeah, of course. Right, right, right there. You got, dude. I don't understand. <laughs> I I cannot for the life of me. I because like after talking to Luke and Corey, uh, Corey just posted one of his old scene photos from when I met him. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I remember that was his MySpace profile photo, and I was just like, dude, it just brought up like a whole memory of like how awesome that era is and how much I wish I had recorded not only bands back then, but like took way more photos of all of us because I think that shit is funny. Like, I think that stuff is like, it's, it's not embarrassing in the least bit. And it's just so fun to look back on. I really would. If I would have had old, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Old videos of the bands that I used to see. I mean, I, because I remember back then thinking they were so awesome, but now I know that if we listen to them back, it would just be like, I can't believe that we were ever, you know, into any of this, but it's just awesome to think about. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, it was just waves of bizarre, uh, styles. Yeah. Like 100%. Bro, bro core and like fashion tilted deep, deep V deep V necks and skin tight cut off jorts were what yeah. kids at my high school, but like, the thing with me is I went to New Smyrna Beach High School, and so anyone that was going to shows in Daytona, like, the, like this is for you, Fest, all the stuff that was happening then, which I would have killed to be at now, like knowing sure. those bands, I did not have a single friend in that school that listened to that kind of music. It was all like a day to remember and things like that. So it was like I couldn't, oh, for sure. I couldn't find out about that stuff until like I started going to – when I went to my first Daytona show and then like starting to meet people there. But then like, of course, when I started going to shows, that's exactly when it all died off. Like I think the last yeah. real show I saw in Daytona was like Axis and dead in the dirt and deathbed or something yeah. like that. But that was like the last yeah. real. That sounds like a very Daytona esque show. Yeah, of course. At the lion's den, man. For sure. Classic. That's but, well, so man, oh yeah, we we took a deep dive. Good oh stuff. yeah, of course you got to get deep a deep dive for the deep V. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you started off like touring. Obviously, I know that with Increase was like a completely like DIY band touring on no mm-hmm. AC and what Doug's mom's minivan. Yeah, that one had the most miles on it. Uh, <laughs> we went. We I, I think against Doug's mom's wishes. Um, of course. And to this Thousands day, we're not even certain. Car. Yeah. So for those out there that don't know who Doug is, uh, with Increase, kind of the in its final form uh, when we started, you know, getting out of the state a little bit more as often as we could, it was myself, uh, the Low Bros, Travis and Justin, who are just legends, 3ND, Blacksmith just nicest humans ever. And then Doug four, who is a mystery of a man, uh, <laughs> the, sh- the world's strongest man. First of all, um, probably seen him more so shirtless and in board shorts than wearing clothes. Uh, but through our entire existence as a band, even before I joined, uh, he never changed the strings, which that's not to like, uh, say that punk band should do that we probably sounded really bad because of it but he never changed the strings 
which we just thought was funny. So we never questioned I didn't it. Even, I had no and, idea about this little shinfo. So this is yeah, actually amazing. So never, never changed the strings. Um, he might've changed them once over the years. So don't fully quote me on it. I like to think he never did. Uh, and then one string fell off at some point and he just never put it back on. So awesome. for the last solid two years, he was a three string, uh, just gargantuan of a, of a man. And we used his mom's minivan to hit the road. And we're pretty convinced that he never asked if we could use, right. We just all showed up to his house, you know, ready to be gone for a month, coast to coast. And it was as if, uh, his parents had just found out that we were leaving. Right. Of course. And so it was this like bizarre tornado to like rescue Doug out of the house uh, to then go on tour. Uh, but yeah, we were in the minivan and then we had one other van, the first two tours that was one of Travis and Justin's homies um, who we went, like we went up to Cornerstone and back in it uh, at Cornerstone, we found out he was putting uh, Kool-Aid in the coolant. So it was just a disgusting yeah. vehicle so it turned into literally like just burnt sugar inside the the radi the the radiator i'm assuming yeah it, it was a convenience store on wheels oh i mean sure. that's that's incredible well so i mean at yeah. least that that kind of set you up because obviously i know with increase went for a while but so how did it transition from you doing this band and then just starting out working as like a merch person yeah. Um, so over the years, while I was in Florida, um, a lot of my Florida friends, you know, yourself included, started to really bond with my old Nashville homies. Uh, you know, there were a couple hardcore bands. Um, our buddy Danny sang in a band called Motions, you know, Jamie Pomeroy, mm-hmm. uh, Mental Collapse, uh, you know, Hunter Walls and Luke playing and better off over the years. And kind of the dream was always, you know, if better off ever got on some really serious tours that they would take me along. And when I think it was right after they got signed to equal vision, um, they started getting some really great tours coming their way. And it paired up at the same time that I was changing my major. And so I was able to do my classes online yeah. So it all kind of came in this really quick whirlwind where I started doing college online and touring. And the first like real, I, w- I wouldn't call this one a serious tour, um, but we were first of four on a newfound glory fireworks tour. Okay. Um, with better off, but that tour was, well, it was a serious tour. It was my first time, you know, in these like 1500 cap rooms, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where this is where people are making their living doing this. Right. And it was amazing to see, you know, how, you know, just how that's possible. Right. And how, how different it is from, cause obviously when you're selling merch in a DIY band, you're literally, it's just every man for themselves, someone's behind the table. You're just throwing shirts out. There's no method to the madness. Oh, for sure. I mean, if it's always like, who has the, who has the merch money? Right. Um, Who has the van carried around in a little, yeah, in a little tiny metal tin with the smallest lock on it, thinking that you're rolling, rolling so deep. 
Right. Um, which at the time we were, you know, that's, that's <laughs> the money that's getting you from A to B. You got to have that, got to have that money. I right. remember uh, the, the only time that with increase went coast to coast, we came back and we were like, oh my gosh, we have $400. <laughs> and I think we were outside of uh, Two Devils Vape Shop in Tallahassee. Yes, um, dude. The last show, the two were sitting on the curb, just counting, you know, the crumpled fives, being like, this is amazing. But to go from that to then, you know, more so being with homies on the road that, you know, really they need those couple hundred bucks each night to get to the next show. Right. As a first of four. Um, so it was, it was a great experience. That was a really cool, uh, couple tours over the course of a year where I think all of us, you know, them as a band being as great as they are really getting the shine that they deserved. Yeah. Um, as well as me, like, they technically I was the tour manager, but I wouldn't even call it that I was so green to the game, you know, just so uh, nervous to go up to the head tour manager and ask for the per diem or yeah, where of course. we should park. Cause these are dudes that are just chiseled, you know, in their role over the years. Um, but no, it, it was a great opportunity and just fun. You know, these are the things that you dream about, you know, being on tour with bands you've listened to, uh, like Newfound Glory, you know, I bought Sticks and Stones in third grade. I mean, so yeah. to be able to be a part of that every night, uh, awesome. But so, like, with I mean, I'm trying to think about like how people view it from an outside source of like someone who may not know, because I feel like a lot of people just see the merch person as kind of like the friend that tags along. But when you start mm-hmm. getting into like, I mean. To an extent, that is true because I feel like a lot of the bands that we know, it's like they have a merch guy that they stick by because they've been a friend for so long. But it's like, how for sure? How does it transition from going from just a friend lending a hand to basically being like a professional merch person to where you're now getting like you're getting like hit up to be like, hey, we need someone on this yeah. tour with even bands that you may not like, or like it's a completely different we- different wheelhouse than you're like used to, like from punk to like mm-hmm. some crazy uh, metal bands or whatnot. Yeah, I think you know what yeah. band I'm alluding to. <laughs> I, I most certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, done a, I've done a tour in a time of financial need, for sure. Yeah, why uh, not? It's no. a job, man. Um, no, yeah, exactly. And that like, so the, the, the season where it, it turned from just being the homie into this is my job. Right. Um, we did a, it was a better off. I, we were like second of five. It was a defeater counterparts tour. Um, I can't remember the other bands, uh, but better off oh, was on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that because I, yeah, I remember that I was trying to hop on that with, counterparts yeah and southeast beast yes yeah yes indeed um so while on that tour i got hit up or might have been right before that tour i got hit up from copeland who is a long time central florida emo staple um they had started doing shows again um 
for Amber Lynn's last couple shows. And then they started doing a couple more shows. And I lived in Lakeland, Florida, where I was going to school. And one of my really good friends from college became their new bass player and who has played with them all through this time. His name is uh, Bobby, just a awesome dude. And Better Off was on a Motion City soundtrack tour that Copeland was doing three of the shows. Mm-hmm. And I, need, I needed a ride back to Florida because it was either spend my tip money on a mega bus ticket or that was really it. That was the only option. Uh, but then when I found out Copeland was doing those shows as well, I hit up Bobby. I was like, yo, if y'all could give me a ride back home, I'll do merch for y'all. And that I kind of signed myself up for a little bit more. I could chew off. Cause you know, now I'm doing merch for two bands right. on a three band bill. So I'm kind of spread thin for a couple of days, but that opened up a Pandora's box of an opportunity mm-hmm. to where Paramore asked Copeland to go out on a tour with them. And I got hit by the, by Copeland. They were like, yo, this is the first serious tour we've done in a minute. We need a dude. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing that defeater counterparts better off tour. I think I had to leave a week early and I flew back to Florida to start another month. So all in all, I was gone for just about three months straight mm-hmm. doing these two tours. But that uh, Copeland Paramore tour was the one that was like, oh my gosh, this is a actual job if you want right. to take it. Um, and learning learning the ropes from Paramore's dude, I probably um, punished him to all get out. Right. Just I'm trying sure. to learn how, learn how to do it right. But he was, um, he was so cool and kind about the whole experience. His name's Aaron. Um, he's now with 21 pilots. Uh, oh, wow. Always cr- just crushing it. And he really just let me ask any and every question about how to set up merch how much merch do you bring in the building? Mm-hmm. How do you handle accounting and inventory? How do you settle with the building? You know, you be nice to the venue workers. Like, should right. you, you know, you know, kind of finagle the numbers a little bit, right. um, you know, just learning everything. And so it was like a couple month crash course on, if you want to do it, here's a three month window to really cut your teeth. Um, and so that was the tour that convinced me like, this is a job. Mm-hmm. I want to figure out how to do it. Yeah, exactly. And my degree is geared towards elementary education, which is a stark departure from, you know, sling and tease. Uh, so I ended up getting off the road for about a year to finish my degree. And then once I graduated, moved back to Nashville to really pursue being a, a full-time merch manager. Um, and so, yeah, th- there definitely is a, a difference between, you know, the homie who right. just hops in the van who doesn't lose the the one key to the money box versus being responsible for, you know, a band's majority of their income for a season. Yeah. I mean, a band that goes out, you know, that's a small business that, you know, the money from shows are most likely paying for the bus or the van or the bandwagon. And then that merch money is, or, you know, whatever VIP experience they also offer, those are the things that are allowing them to have paychecks. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is like, I think people have this like 
idea that when you're in a big band, you just get paid straight up for, you know, having a show. And I don't think they realize that like mm-hmm. most of the income does come from merch. I mean, I know like all, all of my friends who are in bands, like mid-level bands, like whenever they come back from tour, it's not because of the guarantees they made. It's mostly because of merch. Oh yeah. And so I know Absolutely. that's, that's why it's a huge undertaking. I think a lot of people don't really take it that serious when they think of merch guys, but I know that, you know, I helped out a band once on warp tour and I had to do the merch for them. And that was one of the most grueling and awful experiences I've ever had to endure. (laughs) And it's funny because I think there's like this, like there's this fantasy when you go to warp tour, you know, speaking back in past tense, because it's no more, thank God. I think, I think it's really good idea. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good way to put it because it has served a good purpose. It, yeah, it really has. But every single, like, I remember when I went to my first warp tour, I remember everyone who was in a band was such a dick. And I remember it kind of killing like the, the like fun of it. You know, I think like the bands that had buses yeah. or, or whatnot, they were like, you know, just always partying or whatnot. But when you were going to buy merch, that is when you dealt with just dicks. And so when you sure. start, when you start actually like going to more shows or touring or meeting more people in bands, you start to understand that dynamic. And when you understand what they have to endure at warp tour, getting the same, Hey, can I try that shirt on when this person is yeah. dripping in six hours worth of Florida sun sweat with dirt all over them. And they want to try on an extra small instead of a small, it's like, I can't imagine that. And so it's like, after that, that's like, it's kind of like a restaurant worker when you work in the restaurant and then you order something and you feel bad when you get something that's wrong and you feel bad for putting like sending it back. So it's like to have to endure that and then think about doing it professionally, because obviously I know that you've done huge tours, like, and that may not even be to bands that who most of the people on this podcast hear. Like, it's not like you're, you're touring with like actual yeah. like country stars and things like that. Like what's the, all right. What's the biggest capacity show you've worked? Uh, biggest capacity. Um, Some, some of the arena shows that I've done were pretty serious. Um, the, this last fall did, uh, a tour with a band called for King and country, uh, very much so a different demographic than probably, you know, majority of folks that are coming to this podcast, like you said. Uh, but I was with them for about nine months. Um, amazing group. Uh, they're, in the like pop Christian um, stratosphere, uh, but like huge group. Uh, We did a sold out show at the target center in Minneapolis, which is where the Milwaukee bucks play. Right. Or, um, and just, I think that is 20,000 people or a little (laughs) bit under. Don't, don't quote me on that. It it was above 15,000 for sure. But whatever a sold out, uh, capacity is for that. And I mean, so that, that's amazing. The show itself is huge. Right. It's also just a mer- It's an onslaught of a day. Cause you're just, you know, shoveling 
boxes of t-shirts up, you know, up and around the buses. It was snowing that day. And we had two merch trailers on that tour. One of them was parked out in the snow. Oh my goodness. Uh, so poor, uh, I enlisted Hunter, uh, to be my right hand on that tour. Uh, Hunter from better off in as cities burn uh, in his, actually my roommate as of right now as well. <laughs> um, but I like somehow convinced him to, you know, come with me for a couple months and, you know, he's in there shoveling shirts through the snow, uh, you know, to serve all these people. So it's just, you know, it's an amazing memory to look at that so much can get done in a day. Um, I've also, you know, fortunate enough to do Red Rocks, uh, definitely not the, like a huge venue as far as people capacity, but just a legendary one, right. You know, just an amazing room to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to be able to do the Ryman auditorium in Nashville, uh, on the first night of the boy genius tour, Mm -hmm. which boy genius is the combo of Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus. Um, that was pretty legendary. And then, yeah, just, you know, have done a bunch of arenas. Um, haven't done any stadiums yet. That's another level of insanity. That's Taylor Swift and One Direction level. Yeah, yeah. Just where the logistics of that are out of this world, um, and incredibly interesting to really pick apart. Uh, but yeah, it can also be incredibly stressful. Well, yeah. I mean, I you know I can't imagine. I don't think I'd have the capacity for it because what I want to dive into now is I feel like there's when you come from the background of understanding how bands work or also touring, I feel like there's an unspoken etiquette when it comes to dealing with venues like that and specifically merch people. So something yeah. I want, I've always wanted to hear, especially from someone who's done it so much because I, I don't really know any other of my friends who like do merch. I want to know what, what are the three, most common questions you get that absolutely drive you insane. I can probably guess them. I can probably guess all three of them right off the top of the head. And it's gotta be, can I try that on or, Mm -hmm. or pointing at a shirt and asking if you have it. Yeah. And then also, yeah. Can I get a discount? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, (laughs) Those are definitely the three most common. It's almost, yeah, it's almost like the most common become the most annoying. You know, it, it, it also differs the type of questions you get depending on the type of tour you do. Well, yeah, I so, mean, I, yeah, I would understand that. It's like, I can only imagine how each one is like, you get the same questions, but also each tour <laughs> is it's different animals. So it's, you're dealing with completely different insane people. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say my favorite by favorite, I mean, probably most annoying is on a, a lot of times on like the larger uh, Christian or family oriented tours, right. The merch spread is just, it's a mini mall. It's just right. the, uh, I mean, I've seen whenever you post spread. photos of it, I, I zoom in because I can't believe that's all one, one merch spread. Oh yeah. And there's two or three other tables that look exactly like it. Right. Exactly. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's funny because they do that for a good purpose. It's because you have a lot of kids, you have a lot of grandparents, you got a lot of debt, like you got a huge demographic of people who come to the show. And so you'll have three kids shirts 
two pajama sets for uh, his and her. You'll have something Christmas orient. Like you'll have some for everybody and someone will come up and point out uh, like, Oh, do you have that in red? You're like, not in red, but I have it in three other colors and two types of cuts. Right. Like, ah, used to have it in red a couple of years ago. I'll come back next time. (laughs) What? So you, you learn really quick. You can't, you can't serve everybody. Right. Of course. Maybe the way they want to be served. Um, you'll have one of people ask for discounts for a ton of random reasons. Right. Uh, one of them, which I'll never knock is asking about a military discount. Uh Um, but you'll always get asked about that. You'll ask about, um, if this is where they go to validate parking. Oh, okay. That's also on like different level of, tours versus just like the club no one's valid in parking over there um and yeah if if i can try this on or can i get a refund oh yeah the concept the concept of all sales are final uh-huh just for whatever reason does not exist right in at gigs and so people will lose their mind over that oh i'm sure and Depending on the client that I'm working for, the merch company, you know, sometimes they have different policies or they try to be a little bit more lenient. I'll definitely honor that. Um, but yeah, all sales are final. That's where fighting words come out for sure. <laughs> I mean, that for sounds, sure. of course, I would, I would completely understand that. Well, the other thing I wanted to dive into is obviously I started like the whole idea of starting this was not only to like learn about you know, people touring and then especially, especially in like different specialties within like music or other creative, like creative outlets is I want to know, cause you've told me a couple stories that are absolutely incredible, but I need to know what, what, what has been like the, what has been like the quintessential story you tell to everyone about like a situation you've been in, whether it be like a specific band you've worked with that just had no organization. You had to go in and like, be like, Hey, this is pretty common knowledge. This is a general thing that we need to like sit and figure out before we even start a tour or just like any sort of crazy situation you've been put in that just takes the cake. Yeah. That you can talk about that you won't get assassinated for. Thank you. Um, De- definitely got to keep a couple couple in the pocket for sure <laughs> for uh, everyone's sake. Uh, I, I will say, I think for the most part, once bands really start grinding, you know, people fall in line pretty quick on how to treat it like a job and how to be respectful, especially when you get um, to where you're touring for multiple months on end in in buses or where touring is more of like a living condition. Yeah. And you're with, you know, 20, a crew of 20, 30 people who have kids or grandkids, um, a lot of different mixed ages and backgrounds and, you know, identities and, uh, political alignings. Right. Uh, so, so people for the most part are pretty chill with each other. Like everyone's just there to do a good job, get it done. Like it's a hard day for everybody. Um, now, as far as like crazy moments go, um, the, the one that I tell as far as like maybe the worst moment of my touring, uh, career, if you want to call it, uh, it was on a 
Julian Baker too. We were in Europe and we were there for about five weeks. It was my first time touring over there. It mm-hmm. was an incredible month. Uh, like dream come true. We, we hit like 13 or 14 countries played just insane rooms. Um, did a couple cool festivals, but a couple times on that tour, uh, herself, the tour manager and the violin player, um, would have to fly to another country mm-hmm. to do press or to do like radio or TV. And I would drive the sprinter to like meet them at the airport in the next country. Oh my goodness. Cause on that tour, it was, it was, the, it was the tour manager. Uh, her name's Avanti, uh, the most badass tour manager ever. Um, like comes from Detroit, like uh-huh. hard as nails, but so sick. So cool. Um, her and I would drive sprinter across Europe for these couple weeks, um, which was an amazing, it was like a experience, like to be able to say that you did it all in right. one piece, um, was really cool. Now, the thing that made it crazy, we were about to go to Ireland uh-huh. and we were playing a show in Manchester, I think. And so the next day you have to take the ferry and I woke up at the hotel and I couldn't open my left eye and there was, I don't know if it was like a chemical on the pillow or if I had slept in my contact or, or what, but it was the most painful feeling to try and open my eye. Right. Uh, and it was just crusted shut. Mm-hmm. So I don't drive that day. Avanti drives a sprinter. We hop on, excuse me we hop on the ferry we get to ireland i somehow do the show like half blind (laughs) the tricky thing was the next day they stayed behind to do press or tv or or something and i had to drive by myself back onto the ferry get back into the uk and then drive a couple hours to london to then meet them the day after so I had like a full cross the seas journey by myself. And when I woke up the next day, I couldn't even like move my eyeball. It was so freaking painful and I had no idea what was going on. Right. And there, there wasn't like an alternative to them needing to do what they need to do and me drive the van. I had to do it. Right. So dropped them off at airport and I hop on the ferry by myself and I looked straight out of weekend at Bernie's because uh-huh. I had my glasses on and then a pair of sunglasses over to try and like act natural. Right. When you do this, you have to cross uh, both countries borders before you hop on the ferry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just driving this sprinter vehicle full of equipment that, you know, I don't own. Right from a van that's rented out of Amsterdam from Ireland to the UK. Right. Somehow they let me through, but I was in such pain that when I got on the ferry, I couldn't see. And so I like blindly walked up, uh, like four or five flights of stairs to get to the lounge area. And I found a corner to like hurdle, Mm -hmm. like hurdle myself 
into like a fetal position and I fell asleep and I woke up like an hour later and there was about 15, um, I don't, I think it was 15 elderly aged Japanese tourists that were all enjoying brunch around me. Okay. Like everyone was just sitting. Like you were the centerpiece. I was the centerpiece, but in the corner. So they're like a semicircle all around me. And I get up and my glasses and my sunglasses fell off. Uh And I'm just staring at them and they're staring at me, not knowing how to react because I just look like a cretin. Um, And I somehow like crawled my way out of that area, found another corner to fall asleep in. Mm -hmm. When I woke up, that group had somehow morphed themselves around me again. Yep. Yeah, morphed themselves around me again. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it it was the most uncomfortable. Like you're on a hidden camera show, straight up. Oh, for sure. Right. For sure. Um, So that was bad. That was just a bad day all around. But you made it. Huh? Made it. Somehow made it. I mean, that's... Um, that was bad. I think another another quick one. Th- this one's not about me. My favorite, like, punk. Actually, if there's time for two stories, one's quick, and then mm-hmm. one's a very Florida. I'll end it on, on this note, actually, okay. uh, with the stories. But one, uh, we took Joser from Point of Contact, right. Tampa Straight Edge, out on a with increased bad habits to her oh is this uh is this what i'm thinking it is yeah yes gangrene uh, yes old, old gangrene yep. yes so so we get to nashville and this tour was great too because travis dyed his hair green perfect and so we called skittles uh which i don't think he took too kindly to that uh during that time but anywho so we do this tour and we get to nashville and Joser's like i want to get a tattoo <laughs> And Jamie, uh, our bud who lives here, is like, oh, dude, you got to go to this one shop. This artist I really like will be upright. And so Joser goes and gets tattooed. Keep in mind, it's the dead of winter. Uh, he gets the hate breed. Uh, the hate breed, like... Mace. Mace mixed with, like, a, a skull situation. It, it was a great-looking tattoo. Um, but what you're not supposed to do once you get tattooed is sweat or get it wet. Right. And so that night he is just pitting up a storm. And then the next morning there, there's a classic cliff jumping spot in Nashville. He goes out in the morning, cliff jumps. Um, in this area, the water feels great, but it's also where people on the boats just dump all their trash. And yeah, of course it's just a nasty area. And by the time we ended that tour, it literally looked like a gobstopper gangrene flavored had just morphed over the tattoo. Dude. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have that photo. I mean, the photo just makes its loops every, I, what I think every, uh, every month, every other month. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. But I What's mean, it's crazy is the tattoo looks so good now. Right. But the, yeah. yeah Cause I remember the scab, the scab, you couldn't even tell what it was. Because I remember I saw I was at the Goat House show at the last show of it, and I remember everyone laughing and like looking at it, and I saw it, and I was like, "Dude, you're gonna lose." Because I've had staph infection, and I looked at that, and I was like, "Dude, this is exactly because I got staph infection when MRSA was going on." So 
<laughs> they told me they told me that I got I got staph infection from a cut on my knee from skimboarding. Yeah. And just never cleaned it. And they told me if it was a day late because I woke up one day and my knee was the size of a uh like a softball and there was a giant zit where the scab would be and I went to the I went to the doctors Bloody. and they were just like, Yeah, if you if you would have waited another day, like we would have probably had to take off your leg because it had gotten so oh, bad. So they made me take these like antibiotics that turned me into a vampire. I couldn't go out in the sun and my mom had to drain the um the, the staff and when she i'm not exaggerating it i wish i would have filmed it because when she popped it it shot up to almost the roof that's how much pressure was in there and it just started just leaking like just goo dude, coming out just a gusher yeah it was epic dude so i feel i feel for i feel for jose but i yeah i don't know how his tattoo turned out normal after that yeah he, he's just a, a magical human being so it was going to turn out fine regardless yeah um, he, he also, what well, he broke his leg during the point of contact release tore his ACL, <laughs> Dis- his ACL. he yeah. dislocated his knee and we had like, he would, he dislocated his knee. I saw it happen. And then he walked into the back room. And of course it was like, everyone had swarmed around. Him. Yeah, that's a sprain that's broken. So it was like, everyone was like talking and I just like had to tell everyone to stop because, you know, I literally, that's literally what I like what I went to school for. And I was like, look, yeah. what, like, what do you have in your car? And I think what we took was what I ended up taking was, um, I can't remember. It wasn't duct tape. Oh, it was just a normal ACE bandage, but I basically took the ACE bandage and wrapped, um, I wrapped the knee so tight that it locked it out and that it wouldn't move or shift because I knew I was like, I think you di- if you dislocated it, it's going to like, it'll dislocate again if you like, if you move. So I told him yeah. and he was like, okay, I'm just going to grab and hold on to the mic stand. And I was like, okay, yeah. yeah, just, you'll be fine. Second song in the kid is just like hobbling around stage and I'm sitting there t- cause I was taking photos and I was just like waiting to watch it buckle again. And then after yeah. I found out, I told him, I was like, dude, you got to go to the hospital because if it's like, you can tear, like, you know, you can tear a ligament or something in there. And it found out that's, he tore his ACL, which I didn't know about until like a month and a half later because he got the surgery. Dude. <laughs> what a resilient right. kid. He's a resilient one. Dude. Yeah. I mean, uh, remember, were you there at, uh, this is generic fest 2012, I think. Um, when I broke my elbow. Uh, I mean, I was there, but I don't remember you breaking your elbow. So, I, I can't remember what band it was for. I did a dive the day before, got dropped, and just fell, you know, seven, eight feet up, just straight on the elbow. Mm-hmm. Woke up the next day, the day we were supposed to play, and my elbow is just three times its normal size. Right. So, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'll just get a sling from CVS and call it a day. Right. We're good to go. And, you know, one song into the set, the adrenaline kicks in, and so I just take the sling off uh-huh. going about just like any, everything's okay. And went to the doctor a week later and that sucker was completely broken. Oh wow. And did you, sh- did you, you shatter it or it was, it was just a clean cut. Oh, wow. uh, they, they show me the photo. It was just a clean break. Um, ended up doing physical therapy for it, but it's still uh click. Yeah. When I, yeah. So I say all that to say, Joser's a, a bit more resilient than I am. 
regarding the uh, casualties of the core. I mean, yeah, that was that was a pretty incredible thing to watch them play their record release with him with a knowing that he tore his ACL. I yeah. think it makes it way more cooler. Oh, for sure. Got to got to do it for the team. Yeah. Well, got to. Uh the the last thing, the last uh I think crazy story and this is actually the first day of the first whip increase tour mm-hmm. ever. Um so if anything, it kind of like christened my time into touring and music. Um it was the Von Wolf record release show. Yeah. So that week I, I flew down to Tampa to record uh, the with increase EP. And then we did, we thought it would be a good idea to do that show. And then the next day be Nashville, Tennessee. Cause we're like, Oh, 12 hours. That's easy. Yeah. Um, as any, you know, DIY tour routing goes, uh, anything that's under 15 hours is, is, is good to go. Right. So we do the Von Wolf show and it's us in like not the OG lineup of strength and what remains, Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like the second or third OG rendition of Strengthen when they were a five piece. And it's the two of us plus Brittany, who's Josh's wife, uh, now, now wife, and our buddy Sam, who was driving us in his van, uh, the Kool-Aid van. Oh, okay. And so we're just crammed in there. And all of us combined are not small people. Um, lot of lot of muscle mass in that group, and so we are just like neck to neck in the van, and so we do this overnight drive, and it's about four a.m., and the front driver's side tire pops on the highway, and the dude who was driving at the time, I can't remember his name, he played in Strengthen, but he uh, like panicked, and rather than you know, so. if you pop a tire, you're just supposed to coast until mm-hmm. you get over to the side. It popped. We coasted and stopped, but we were still on the highway. <laughs> so we're like in the middle of the highway. The van he is off and he turns it off. Mm-hmm. So the lights are off and it's like a really foggy overcast, you know, 4 a.m. So you can't really see what's in front of you unless there's lights. And about half of us wake up to like figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden you just hear, and we turn around and just like straight from hell, a semi truck lights just coming from the top of the hill behind us. And it's, it can't see us, but we could see it. And it's just going full steam ahead. So all of us begin climbing over each other, like World War Z style to get out of the driver door, not thinking that we could just get out of the regular sliding door. Incredible. But it's all 12 of us diving and clawing at each other to get out of this door. We all pile out and the semi truck at the last minute minute sees us and goes, and just barely misses us. Um, yeah, that was, maybe the most gnarly like wake up calls of, Oh, this is kind of dangerous. Right. Um, but also, uh, a welcome to Florida DIY touring. Yeah. And touring in general, because it's always, it's always just unexpected, unexpected. Everything possible can always happen. Oh, for sure. Well, I think I, I think I got most of that. 
Sounds good. Uh, I love it, man. Yeah, done. All right, bro. Um, you have anything dude. you want to plug? You want to talk about? Man, uh, let's see. Everyone go vote. Yes, Shouldn't go have vote. To say it. <laughs> Shouldn't have to say it. That's uh, just preaching to the choir. Um, that's about it. Vote. But yeah, wear a mask, vote, drink your water. Read research, exercise. actual research, arrest the cops yeah. that murder Breonna Taylor. Yep. Uh, stay off Facebook. I deleted of, mine finally. Dude, I, I've been, I don't know what's keeping me back from deleting it. Facebook marketplace and now that was, pretty that was in. legitimately the only thing. And then I made the mis- I deleted it and then realized that I still need my Spotify. So I have to find out oh. how to transfer that over, but it's, it's still worth it. I don't care if I lose my Spotify, all my, yeah. although I will, I think be the record holder for the most amount of time. listened to Hans Zimmer. Cause I think I, I'm, I think I'm up to 400 or 500 hours. So I got to find out if incredible. I can do that. So, yeah. Well, they just released uh, like your all time statistics. Uh, I, I think mine is uh, un- unfortunately Drake and post Malone. Yeah. So definitely not. Definitely not Hans. Amazing. But no, but no, man, I think that's, that's about it. Excited for the podcast, man. I know you've been uh, trying to do the documentary um, and get in the van physically obviously right now no vans are going right so to be able to do this I, i'm pumped for you man i hope i hope it'll be cool i hope people listen to it yeah <laughs> dude it's gonna be great all right well uh i'm gonna stop the recording but i'll say goodbye to you formally Alrighty. okay goodbye everyone goodbye everybody